good morning, everyone. Did you enjoy your extra hour in bed this morning? Yeah? <laughs> but more importantly, have you managed to reset all your clocks? Yeah, okay. I did find a very helpful guide on how to change your clocks on the internet, just in case you're having any problems. So, it goes like this. Mobile phones, leave it alone. The smartphone fairy will sneak into your house in the middle of the night and change the clock for you. Sundials, move one half to the right. Cooker, wait six months, it'll be correct again. <laughs> Car clock, drive 88 miles an hour and hope for lightning. Works best in a DeLorean. <laughs> the people who don't laugh need to just go and see some good films. <laughs> so a very warm welcome to you all, uh, especially if you're new with us here this morning. My name's Louisa, uh, I've been part of things at God Central since about 2010. Um, we're going to be... <coughs> excuse me. We're going to be having a look at the call of Peter this morning, uh, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Uh, instead of looking at just one passage of scripture and drawing meaning and application from that, I'm going to be jumping about quite a bit. So the passages will come up on the screen, but do feel free to try and keep up with me in your own Bibles. Bit of a challenge. So before we get going, um, as always, let's open up, just dedicate the morning, um, the preach to God in prayer. So Father God, yeah, we just want to dedicate this time to you this morning. We ask that you would open our hearts and help us to hear what you'd say to us. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate your word and help us to draw closer to you and to know you more. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. So what do I mean when I talk about calling? As well as a general call we received to follow Christ and to walk in his ways, each of us are called by God to do certain works. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Individual callings will look a little different. Some people are called to ministry, some to business or a particular type of work, some to raising children, some to evangelism, and so on. Large or seemingly small, all callings from God are worthy and have been designed by God for us uniquely for the person he made us to be. Now, one of the first times we see Peter in the Gospels is when he was first called by Jesus. So Matthew, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. Whilst walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. I just love that they did that immediately. They didn't hesitate. There was no ifs, there was no buts. There was no, just let me finish this one thing off first, immediately. So when I think about the time between receiving the call and actually starting to walk in it, I tend to imagine a direct path. Straight line between the two. Like those much-loved films from the 80s, we see Rocky, or the Karate Kid, training, and each scene, they're getting a little bit stronger. Wax on, wax off. And a little bit better. Wax on, wax off. And finally, and usually set to some very inspiring music, they're ready to take on the world. Unfortunately, real life doesn't really work like that. <laughs> Our paths take us through both valleys and mountaintops, and the journey is really straightforward, often making us feel like we're travelling further away from our goal rather than closer. P. 
Peter's journey was much like this. And I'm sure that as we go through, we'll be able to see echoes of that in our own story. From the time he responded to the call, Peter walked with Jesus day after day for the majority of his three-year ministry. He got to hear all the sermons the crowds did, but Peter was also there with Jesus in the private times. He would have been familiar with Jesus' habit of going off early in the morning to pray. He would have talked, eaten, debated, learned and laughed with the maker of the universe. Not only that, Peter was one of Jesus' inner circle of three, along with James and John. He was privileged to witness events that no one else would see. The healing of Jairus' daughter, the transfiguration and Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Like the events in Peter's life, every Christian walk is a journey with the Almighty. So let's continue by having a look at some of the high and low points in Peter's walk. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 13 to 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Well, that is definitely a high point. Peter recognises the truth of who Jesus really is, and inspired by the Holy Spirit, announces it boldly. Jesus makes the point that it's not something that Peter worked out for himself, but it was a revelation from God, surely the result of his close walk with Jesus. So Peter's doing really, really well. What great thing is he going to do next? Matthew 16, 21 to 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Oops, not so good. Complete contrast to the previous scene. Peter's heart is in the right place, but he doesn't properly understand what Jesus came to do. This sort of thing happens to me all too frequently. It's usually when stuff's going really, really well that I somehow manage to mess it all up. And of course, the fall from everything's great to how could I have been such an idiot is a really long way down. And it hurts so much more than they would have done if things hadn't been going so well. I'm never sure whether the enemy's just waiting to trick me up after I get on the high, or if God's trying to teach me something through it. Probably both. <laughs> I think the interesting thing to note here, though, is that although Jesus rebukes Peter, he doesn't stay angry or exclude him from things because of his failures. In fact, it's only six days after this when Jesus allows Peter, as part of the three, to be witness to his transfiguration, a real blessing and honour. So sometime after this, Peter comes to Jesus with a question. Matthew 18, 21 to 22. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. I get the feeling Peter isn't asking an academic question here. We have to remember that these are real people living real lives. 
I mentioned earlier that Peter had the privilege of being with Jesus through most of his ministry. But this also means he was obligated to spend the same amount of time with Andrew, James, John and all the rest of the disciples. Put any group of people together for an extended period of time and they will certainly aggravate one another. It's quite likely that someone was really getting on Peter's nerves and he wanted to check with Jesus just how long he was going to have to put up with it for. But Jesus gently corrects him with a parable, highlighting to Peter how much God has forgiven him compared to the tiny offence that he's complaining about in his brother. Perhaps teaching Peter to have a little more patience with those around him. As events move on, Peter witnesses the triumphal entry and is present at the Last Supper. It's during the Last Supper, the night before Jesus was betrayed by one of his own, that we see this exchange. It's Luke 22, verses 31 to 34. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. What must Peter have felt at these words? Disbelief? Fear? Determination? If it were me, I'd probably have insisted that there was no way in the world that I would ever deny Jesus. I probably would have protested to everyone who would care to listen, and to many people who weren't really interested, um, the very influence was ridiculous, whilst at the same time being secretly terrified that he might just be right. <laughs> but of course, Jesus was right. He actually always is. Jesus and the disciples go on to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prays in anguish whilst his disciples sleep. Judas comes along with a great crowd and betrays him with a kiss. Peter, likely remembering Jesus predicting his denial, and determined to prove otherwise, leaps to the defence of his master and attacks one of the high priest's servants with a sword, heroically slicing off part of his ear. Although all of the disciples flee, just as Jesus predicted, so none of them are arrested alongside him. Though Peter does follow along afterwards, seeing where Jesus was taken. <coughs> Mark 14, 66-72. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the serving, servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You were also with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him, and began saying again to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders said again to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to evoke a curse on himself, and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Oh, poor Peter. I really feel for him in this moment. We see a man broken by guilt and shame. He's betrayed the one he followed for so long who he trusted, believed in, loved. As far as he understands, the dream's over. With Jesus arrested and about to be killed, he obviously can't have been the promised Messiah. And of course, everyone knows Peter is associated with him. Surely it won't be long before all of the disciples are arrested and killed. Not knowing what else to do, 
the disciples gather together in shared grief and fear, trying to comfort one another. But what's this? Reports of Jesus being alive. No, it can't be. John saw him die. Mary saw where they laid his body. But now she's saying that she's seen him risen. Peter races to the tomb, hoping against hope that it could be true. He finds the tomb empty, but Jesus is nowhere to be seen. In wonder, he returns to his brothers. Jesus is alive. He is risen, appearing to his disciples a number of times. Fantastic, amazing, thanks be to God. Jesus is the Messiah. He rose from the dead. The kingdom is really going to come. Surely this is time to spring into action, preach the word, cast demons out in Jesus' name. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and they got in the boat, but they caught nothing. That's a bit of an odd thing to do, isn't it? I can understand Peter going back to fishing when he thought Jesus was dead. With a dream over, what else was there to do? But he knows that Jesus had been raised and understands better than most that Jesus is the Messiah foretold in Scripture. That all of the promises God made to the Jewish people through his prophets had and would come to pass. Yet Peter decides to go fishing. I wonder if what's happening here is Peter acutely aware of how he failed and fell away. He's disqualifying himself from service. Perhaps he feels unworthy to be part of things, to represent Jesus to the people. When everything seems to have gone wrong, it's completely natural to return to the familiar, be it fishing, teaching, accounting, or anything else. Even if the familiar isn't actually what we want, what we know we're called to, at least we know we're not going to make a mess of it. But Jesus isn't going to let Peter stay where he is. After meeting them all on the beach and sharing a meal, we see this. John 21, verses 15 to 17. <clears throat> when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him for the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This must have been such a heart-rending moment for Peter. and forced him to face and overcome his guilt and shame. Jesus asked three times if Peter loved him, paralleling the three times that Peter denied him and publicly restores Peter to a position among the apostles. When God asks questions, we actually need to pay special attention. You can be sure that he is not asking because he wants to know the answer. He already knows. If God asks you a question, it's to make sure that you know the answer. Jesus didn't ask Peter whether he had his preach prepared for the day of Pentecost, or whether he managed to complete his uh, daily to-do list. He asked whether Peter loved him. He restored the relationship between them because God is so much more interested in having a relationship with us than the things we do for him. I had a bit of a similar experience myself in preparing for this morning. Earlier in the week, I was having a little bit of trouble deciding what to share with you and trying to work it through. So I was praying, a little bit desperately, and I effectively said, Lord, I need some inspiration. And instead of giving any me, me any, <coughs> it 
I felt God say, what do you really need? Hmm. Okay, that gave me pause. What do I really need? Oh, I need more of you, Lord. I need more of your presence. Of course I do. It's obvious when you think about it. But the thing is, I got so caught up in serving, searching through the scriptures to find passages to share this morning, that I completely missed the opportunity to spend time with God and to enjoy his presence. Returning to Peter, having been restored to fellowship with Jesus and receiving the uh, promised Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he stands up and addresses the crowd without hesitation or fear, explaining the truth of the gospel to them. And their response is this. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness, and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word were baptised, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So arguably, this is the start of Peter walking truly in his calling. His first catch of 3,000 souls was only the beginning of his ministry. We see that the journey between Peter's initial call and the culmination of that call is not an easy or straightforward one. If we don't go through trials, we'll never actually reach the goal that we're aiming for. We won't grow in character and courage. Peter understands this as he writes in his uh, first epistle. That's First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the, te the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's only with hindsight that we look back and realise that every experience we've ever had, every seeming mistake or blind alley, was actually a straight line to who God meant us to be. Drawing things to a close, if I could ask, I was going to say the band, if I could ask James to come back. Um, if anything I've spoken about this morning um, has actually resonated with you, I would really love to pray with you. Um, if I could possibly ask life groups uh, leaders' assistance with that as well. I think, though, God would speak uh, pretty specifically to those who are in the midst of trial, in the terms of walking the path of their calling, who maybe are on the verge of giving up and metaphorically returning to fishing. And also to anyone who's been running so hard after their calling that you've lost sight of the one who called. <laughs>